Um, so I have, yeah, I, I am an ordained pastor within the Elam movement, as they call it. Uh, but my calling is really not within, I'm not saying within the church, but my calling has never been into a paid kind of position within the church. My calling is out there. My calling has always been working in, in hospital or working with people who are unwell. Uh, so that's where my calling is. It's not so much in the, in, in, within the church setting. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I did become an ordained pastor because PJ was, the, was asked to become the senior pastor in Tairua. And, uh, and there were still some issues about female pastors being senior pastors. And I know it seems to be unbelievable, but it was true. So I had to get my credentials so then at least they could say, oh, but we have a male pastor as well. You know, I know people have strange thinking and strange thoughts, and we're going to talk about that because we're going to talk about yeah. our mind and the brain and all that. Uh, but yeah, we would go to conferences in the early days of the movement, and then they would say, and we have a gift for all the pastor's wives. Indeed. Ah. <laughs> I felt so left out. <laughs> One year we were somewhere and they said, we have a gift for all the pastor's wives. We're going to give the wives $100 each to go shopping. I wanted $100. <laughs> I dressed up as a woman. No, <laughs> I didn't. I did get $100. But, you know, it, thank God we have come a long way and things have changed. I have no idea what this has to do with, <laughs> with my message. But anyway, um, if we, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll thank Ants again for uh, letting me speak. He'll never ask me again, probably. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, church is about a little bit of fun. You know, it's not all serious, you know. Um, so I will have some serious thing to share with you, but I hope that we can also have a bit of a giggle and a laugh and, uh, and some fun. Uh, so I hope you brought your lunch <laughs> because my time restrictions are gone. <laughs> we can stay till 2 o'clock, I think. <laughs> But anyway, no, no, we do have a bun if you're really hungry. <laughs> PJ did bring some food for me just to have that. But anyway, we've been talking about rewiring, you know. Uh, sometimes we rewire our house, isn't it? Because uh, there are some problems with our electricity type things. I'm not an electrician. Our son-in-law is. And he's, oh God, he's coming in a couple of weeks' time to stay with us. And he will check like the jug, and see if the cord hasn't got little bits of plastic missing, you know, how then the other bits of plastic are exposed. He will say, and PJ is called Mem, so he'll say, Mem, have you seen this? And so we've already checked. We bought, we bought a new mixer. It had the wires exposed a bit. So, but you know, sometimes wires can be faulty inside your house because you have mice or rats or I don't know and they like to chew on everything apparently so yeah so but sometimes our brain you know we talk about going haywire you know what it means okay 
I don't have to explain. But let's put the brain up. <laughs> this is a picture of your brain, as it is at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's a mess, isn't it? It's all tangled and done. There is a little cutter there, so maybe we can rewire some stuff. So, uh, no, but that's sometimes how it is, isn't it? Our brain goes in overload. I mean, you sit here now, and you probably have a thousand thoughts going through your mind. What do you think at the moment? <laughs> Shut up. No. <laughs> no. But, you know, we, we, our mind goes in overdrive. You know, we have thoughts coming left, right, and center. We're always thinking, maybe at night. But over the last few days, even at night, I wake up and my brain says, don't put that in your message. No, change it. No, don't do this. Uh, maybe you should mention that. And then I PJ said, you only have 25 minutes. <laughs> so keep an eye on the clock. You know? So our mind gets all these outside impulses and stimuli and whatever. So we're always, as I said, our brain is our little computer, isn't it? <clears throat> and then we have our spinal cord and that has all the little, you know, things that uh, go from there. So, uh, so I'm, I'm a trained nurse. I, I've been nursing for well, I tried to make 50 years nursing in 2023, so you do your maths and find out when I started. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll try to do 50 years of nursing and then we'll see what happens. Uh, my field of nursing has mainly been psychiatric nursing, but also rehabilitation, uh, working with people with, with Alzheimer's disease. So it's always been in the area of people with what would you say, some problems with the brain, issues in that area. I, I, I'm not good with people with broken legs and things like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've always had an interest in people with neurological or brain issues, uh, so if that's psychiatric or rehab or whatever, <coughs> dementia level. But, you know, as I said, our brain is, is our... It's really... If that is damaged, if our brain is damaged, and PJ will talk in a couple of weeks' time, and she will talk about the mind, and we've had some issues and discussions about, is the brain the same as the mind? Is the mind the same as the brain? She says no. I say, mm-hmm. It's debatable. But anyway, uh, our brain, if that is damaged, if our brain, our physical brain, uh, gets a shock, and that can happen. I looked, uh, and I will tell you a few stories over the next hour, now you're thinking again. <laughs> uh, one guy, I looked, am I dead? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not dead. <laughs> uh, a young guy who uh, was so drunk, he got run over by a car. He was in his early 20s. He, of course, he survived. He, he was admitted to Dunedin Hospital. Uh, you know, had a trachea in, had nasogastric feeding, had all the, the life supports to keep him alive. <clears throat> so he, uh, 
when they did take his breathing apparatus away, he managed, he, he stayed alive. He could breathe on his own. But that was probably all he could do, breathe on his own. Breathing is part of your brain that does automatic, okay? We don't have to think about breathing, do we? It just happens. So uh, he, he was assigned as my patient, and uh, he was a big guy. Every night, his mum would ring. Every evening at about 8 o'clock, his mum would ring from Invercargill. I would take the phone and put it beside his ear. And mum would talk. And so after five minutes, I'd, <coughs> I'd have a quick listen. Oh, yes, he's still talking. Okay. You know, how you stand there, you sort of think, hurry up, I've got other things to do. But, oh, she's still talking. And I'd, are you still there, Judith? Mm -hmm. just, just give me a few more minutes. Okay. And then one evening, Judith was talking with him. Mum. That was the first word he said. Mum. I cried. Mum cried. He didn't because... <laughs> It was such an emotional moment, but for me it was a sign that it's still, he's hearing, mum. And sometimes we say people who are unconscious still have hearing. So don't talk in front of a person who's unconscious and say all kinds of stuff. You know, because, yeah, maybe they're not processing it, but they can hear you. So he, it, it was a long time, but he, he did recover. Maybe not quite 100%, but he did recover. We have a good friend who had a stroke, probably a year and a half ago, totally paralyzed on the right side of his body. Uh, if, if you have a stroke on the left side, just your, you know, it crosses over and your speech is affected. So he, uh, he, he, he couldn't speak uh, or he could utter words, but he became so frustrated. Because you've got to keep in mind, the brain probably wants to say stuff, but you can't get it out. And then, oh, forget it. You know, he would say, oh, just forget it. And, uh, and he's right-handed. Right he was a painter. So all of a sudden, he, you know, he, he couldn't do anything with his right. Just imagine if your right side of your body is not working. You know, I sometimes say to PJ, if that ever happens to me, I won't say what I said. But, <laughs> you know, it, it must be absolutely frustrating. The core has learned to walk again. It's not perfect. He's, he's speaking, mostly in the Frisian language, because that is, you know, the, the language he grew up with. So his English is still pretty poor. But when we speak Frisian with him and have communion with him, it's usually a glass of wine. We don't do these little cups. We have, a, you know, <laughs> we have communion proper. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we talk, we have conversations again. And he's picked up painting again, but with the left hand. It's, it's big, you know, to change from right to left because your brain is so wired to do certain things in a certain way. He's making gains because, of course, these are damages to the brain. People with Alzheimer's disease, we know, or a dementia, we know that, uh, you know, their brain cells are slowly dying. It's extremely sad what happens there. Uh, but you know, uh, we both have worked a lot with people with Alzheimer's disease, and 
the one thing I, I want to say to you, the younger you are, you young guys, young kids, learn scripture, learn songs, learn prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Man, you know, we have gadgets these days for everything, you know. But you, you can come to a place where you won't have a gadget. You know, uh, we all know the story of Corrie ten Boom, who ended up in a, uh, in a camp. You know, she didn't have a Bible, but she had so many memories. She had so many things stored in her brain that she could draw on and, and build her up and lift her up. So, uh, you know, people with Alzheimer's disease, when I worked uh, and, and was a charge nurse in a unit, we, uh, we were always, before a meal, we would start with prayer. But we'd always start with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I can tell you, there were people who, who lost the ability to speak, who, you know, was what we would say so demented, but, you know, they had the rhythm of our Father, because it has a rhythm, isn't it, when you pray it. And honestly, those people, but you, it was so wonderful to hear that, that, that things that were stored in their brains, because you've got to keep in mind, it's all stored somewhere over here, it came out that way. Music, and I can tell you, and I will tell you a story about the, the, the importance of Christian music, uh, worship music, because uh, we went to Indonesia uh, oh, many years ago, I said before, you know, I'm not a big mission trip person. Because uh, I thought, oh, well, I've seen it all on, the, on TV, and I know how people live in poverty and all that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> but we had people from the Neden Church came back from Indonesia one day and said they'd been to a psychiatric hospital, and it was incredible what happened over there, how people got healed and all that. I'd been working in psychiatric hospitals for years. And, uh, well, we filled, them, we filled people up with medication, okay? You know, more tranquilizers. and did, We even tried to rewire people by shock treatment. Pew! You know, hopefully it works. Well, honestly, it, it, to be honest, it, it may work maybe for people with severe, severe depression, but in general, uh, ECT or shock treatment is not the greatest. We even tried to do lobotomies. You know what that is? cutting little connections to the brain surgically, and hopefully that would work. Well, <clears throat> I think it's all stopped now. It's forbidden. But the guy who invented that even got a Nobel Prize for medicine for that in the 1930s. So, you know, uh, so it's not that great. So, you know, there are so many other ways in working with people. So we went to Indonesia, to this hospital, now, I'll tell you the first story. We were in this little church there in Solo City. You guys, you may know where it is somewhere, in the central of Java. And um, we, we've been speaking several, you know, evenings. And uh, one evening, we, it was not a big church, small building, but packed with people. And there was this young guy, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was the altar call we did or something like that, but he came forward and... Uh, I'm not sure somebody laid hand, and he fell to the floor, and I thought, oh, he's gone under the Holy Spirit. 
Well, he went under probably another spirit because he, uh, he started wriggling like a snake. Honestly, it was all, you know, somebody young enough to demonstrate now. But, you know, he wriggled on the floor and did. And I mean, I'm, I'm normally I'm a bit of a person who stands back. Honestly, I jumped on top of him. I mean, it must have been a sight, but here's this guy lying on the floor doing his things. I'm lying on top of him, trying to hold him sort of down and pray, and the rest of the congregation was praying. I felt him calm down. You know, sometimes you have a baby, and the baby gets very upset and is crying, and you hold the baby. And just by you, and PJ was very good in that. When we had foster kids, you would walk. Jesus loves you. Fear not. I'm with you. You know? And you, if you're, if you're a mom and you've done that, you know and you feel the child calm down. Well, this guy, he calmed down while I was lying on top of him. I know a picture to behold. Thank God there were no cameras like we have now. <laughs> but I'm sure it would have been on social media. Anyway, the guy... He stood up and, 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 you know, worshipped, and later on we found out this was the guy of one of the, one of the chiefs from that village, and he was, he'd come there to really disrupt the meeting. He had come with a, with a destructive and destroying spirit. But, you know, God had other plans for him, and yeah. But, you know, I did something that I would normally never do, all right? <laughs> Uh, then we went to the psychiatric hospital there, and of course, you know, I have psychiatric hospital from a Western point of view in my mind, but it was quite different. These were uh, three rooms, big rooms, dormitories, and then there was a room with, that was like a, a dining room uh, with a big kitchen, uh, and uh, so we had our own little room, uh, but anyway, we stayed there for a few nights. I'm one of those guys, I, I'm, I don't want to go anywhere as a tourist. You know, oh, this is lovely. Ooh, this is pretty. What do you do? Okay. So I really wanted to experience, you know. So if you ever go on a mission trip, experience what's happening, you know. Get the real picture. So anyway, we... Uh, <coughs> uh, the, the first morning we woke up, I said to PJ, listen. It was this heavenly music. Somebody was playing the keyboard. We thought it was an angel. It was incredible. I said, we better get up and find out what's happening. So this was 4 o'clock in the morning, something like 4 or 5. So we do get up and we... And we see, we, we, we come out of our room and we walk that way, and we see patients coming from the dormitories. They all go to the dining room, and there was this one person playing keyboard. It was a bit like Kevin, maybe, I don't know. But you know, it was heavenly, and patients came. We worshipped a couple of hours. If anybody of the patients tried to walk out and leave, somebody else would bring you back. You'd leave. There was no force. There was no, there was no noise. There was no screaming. Who could sing? Would sing. 
whatever. And then it would intersperse with reading the word. So some of the leaders or staff would read the word. That went on till about 8 o'clock in the morning. Honestly, time was no barrier. Then there was, you know, the rest of the day. It was quite structured with, with helping prepare a meal, lunch, dinner, uh, those kind of things, jo little jobs people had to do. I mean, the dormitories were dorm beds, you know, bunk beds. It was nothing special. People didn't have private little rooms or whatever, you know, with whatever. It was basic, but the presence of God was there. Coming from the typical Western point of view, I wanted to know... Uh, <clears throat> what diagnosis people had. I mean, you know, we, we, we put stamps on people in, in psychiatry especially. You know, you're bipolar, you're depressive, you have an anxiety disorder, you're a schizophrenic, you're paranoid schizophrenic, you're this, you're that. So I thought, oh, you know, I better find out what these people have. I mean, I had a feeling about some people, and I knew there were people, some people with Down syndrome, so not everything was you know, uh, what we would call a psychiatric illness, but <clears throat> anyway, I said, can I have a look at your files? Uh, so, little plastic folders. Hmm, ants. Name, address, diagnosis, because I really wanted to know the diagnosis, okay? Stress. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens, you know. <laughs> uh, Naomi. <laughs> stress. Oh. Kevin. Stress. 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 They all had stress as diagnosis. I thought, well, that's a bit odd. But then I thought about it and I thought, yeah, it's so true. If stuff happens in our brains, it's quite often outside stuff that make things going on in our brain. And it's, it's usually the outside pressure, isn't it? Like over the last few weeks, we've all felt that pressure. You know, you've probably have been worried about financial stuff. You know, how, how do we get through this, this period of, of no work, no income? Uh, not allowed to go outside, you know, you're probably worried about somebody else blowing over you or whatever, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that is stuff, your brain has to process all that. And so it's no wonder you get anxious, fearful, upset, angry, frustrated, all these emotions. And so when I read all these people had stress, I thought, yeah, makes sense. Why, why we... Why do we make things so complicated? But you know what worked? There were no major therapies. You know, people had jobs. They were structured. The days were structured. But there was no uh, laying on of hands and rebuking all kinds of evil spirits and people spluttering and coughing and doing whatever. No, it was the presence of God that healed. The presence of God. Worship. The Word of God. Uh, no TV, no gadgets, no, just being together with God. Uh, and we, we've seen the result, because the guy that was showing us around and was our interpreter had been a patient there. He, he had times when he was locked away in a single room because of his aggressive 
psychotic behavior. And now he was married, had a child, and was showing us around. Wow. You know? So we came back to New Zealand, of course, and everybody said, well, why don't we do that in New Zealand? Uh, it's not that simple, people. We, we, we honestly, we really thought about it. If we can create an environment where people with, with, with mental health illnesses can just come and be, and God just let God do the work, but you know, maybe you can do it in your own home, and that's what we started doing. Because we, you know, we couldn't open a facility with 12 beds and say this is it, because the government would have all kinds of restrictions, and so you, you, you know, because we have to obey all kind of whatever. But we started doing it at home because we started fostering children. And we, uh, we mainly fostered children with, we would say, mental health issues, obsessive compulsive disorders. We had a young boy with epilepsy and, uh, and, and diabetes all together. Uh, you know, honestly, it, you know, uh, what did we do at home? We didn't sit with them and rebuke all kind of spirits and whatever and come out this and come out that, no. What we had at home? Good music. So sorry people, if you're an ACDC fan or any of those, I, I'm not good with those groups, but you know what I mean. We had not, none of that, okay? There was none of that loud banging, noisy music. It was soothing Christian music. If our own kids wanted to listen to that stuff, plugs in your ears. <coughs> uh, love them. Love, love, love. All you need is? <laughs> Honestly, that's what it was. PJ would walk sometimes holding a child through the corridor and say, you're loved by God. God really loves you. I still get emotional about it, you know? That's all we do. We often don't have the answers, but what we can do is love, but create an environment. You know, you can't do one thing and then do the other. You know, I love you, but then start yelling at each other. You know, it doesn't work, people. It doesn't work. So show the love within your family. As I said, and music. And believe. Speak promises of God over them. You know? God has a plan for you. For you. For you. For you. He loves you. He believes in you. He believes in you, guys. You know? Sometimes we don't think it. But it's true. So we've seen... Miracles. We've really seen kids set free. Go back home again to their parents. Uh, we kept one. But, <laughs> you know, we've seen real miracles through the love of God and His power and through the healing of His Word. And <clears throat> so we want to get rid of that tangled up brain because I know, you know, there's probably people here, indeed, with, with going on. But, you know, God wants to heal. He's still in the healing. He's not just healing physical issues, conditions. He wants to heal our brain. He wants to put right what is wrong. He wants to, you know, 
put things a bit in order again. But sometimes we have to work on that ourselves. So let's get rid of that picture and then keep going. Oh, <laughs> sorry guys, I've been totally messing you up. <laughs> Forget about that. <laughs> oh, C.S. Lewis was not a bad guy. He was a good writer. I think he did The Lord of the Rings. Narnia. Narnia. Well, he did some of that. But he said, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain. But it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say, I've got a headache or my tooth is aching, than to say, my heart is broken. You know, we're not good in expressing ourselves sometimes and to say how we feel, you know. Uh, and, and that we, we do struggle with things in life. As blokes, we're pretty bad, okay? We're not really say, you know, that we struggle with depression or anxiety or fear, you know? It's all, yeah, I'm great, I'm good, mate. I'm all right, good. <laughs> Keep going <laughs> until you totally crash, <laughs> you know? Let's be honest with each other a little bit. So C.S. Lewis had a good thing to say, then we'll keep going. So I, I'm going to put up some scriptures for you to read, because, you know, the Word wants to encourage us. You know? Because, you know, trust God. He will give you that strength. You will soar again on, you know, if, you, if you're down at the moment. You know, the, we all go through ups and downs. I think Job even said, you know, trouble will come to all of us, okay? So, expect it, sort of, not. Uh, keep going. <laughs> I'm with you. That's what God says, I'm with you. He knows you better than you know yourself. It's, it's weird, but it's true. Keep going. You know, I've even had a time when I went through a bit of a depression in my life. Uh, you know, I will never forget the, that time, and I will grieve maybe over that loss. But, you know, God was with me all the time. I mean, I could sit in front of stoplights and cry. You know, sit there. <laughs> and then people next door, you know, park next door. You, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> It happens. Uh, next. Oh. Cheerful heart is good. No, I, I'm a positive guy, okay? I'm, I'm not somebody who, uh, but I do have my moments. <laughs> I see that face. <laughs> you know? But in general, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. I, I, I enjoy life. I enjoy people. Uh, but yeah, we, we, you know, and it's good for you. Because if you, we know, and it's, there's enough research, if, if, if you have, you know, problems with your mind and your brain, whatever, it will affect you probably physically. At some stage, you, you, you know, your heart, whatever, kidneys, all kind of stuff can go wrong as well. So, cheerful heart is good medicine. And then Psalm 91, I'll encourage you to read that at home because it's a very long psalm, but it's, it's a psalm full of hope, full of encouragement. It's just a wonderful, wonderful psalm to read. So I encourage you to do that. And then we'll go to skip.
And look, all your brain has been rewired. <laughs> it's, if it was that simple, you know, I, I sometimes say, if it was that simple, if we could all have a little switch at the side of our head, and if you had negative thinking, let's switch it, and now it goes to positive, it would be easy, isn't that? It'd be great to have that. But we all, you know, have thoughts, things going on in our minds, have the worries, the concerns, the anxieties, the fears. You know, if you're a parent, you probably do worry at times about what lies ahead for your kids. You know, if you haven't got a job or financial st stuff going on, you know, we, we used to have a business and at times we had financial worries. And I can tell you, you lie in bed and the only thing is, is figures and numbers. I do this, I don't know, maybe, you know. Because that's how we are wired. But God wants us to have a... Well, if it's a rewired brain, I don't know what you want to call it. But you know, He wants us to have that peace within. And I know, you know, you can go to God for everything. For everything, all right? If it's small or big, He will listen to you. He will hear the cry of your heart. The amazing thing is, He knows exactly what's going on in your mind anyway. So when you bring it to Him, He already knows it, but He wants to hear from you. You know, sometimes you have to say, Look, God, I really stressed up to the max. I need your help. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God, why don't you give him a try? <laughs> you know, I made my decision in 1989. And I can tell you from that day on, life has changed. I'm not saying that life has become easier, but life has changed. But can I, because I know I can trust Him. I've made decisions that I probably would have never made if I hadn't known Him, because I know He's for me and not against me. And I've seen that so many times. He's Jehovah Jireh. He will provide for you. So if you don't know Him, you know, accept him as your Lord and Savior. And, and if you're you know, still not sure, why don't you talk with somebody, you know, myself, PJ, Anne Sporo, you know, there are other people here. Talk with them and say, look, I want to get to know this Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. If there's anybody here who's made that decision, Father, I speak blessing over their lives. Help us this week, Father God. Help us in our weakness. Help us in our failures. Help us in our fears and anxieties and worries, Father God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.